Chapter Nine. Lady O'Hara intervenes. Part Two of Black Moth by Georgette Heyer. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. For some time in lock-up, Carstairs had cudgelled his brain to think out a possible mode of escape next day, but try as he might, he could light on nothing. If only Miles were not to question him, it was hardly likely that he would be allowed to retain his mask. Yet therein lay his only chance of preserving his incognito. He prayed that by some merciful providence O'Hara would either fail to recognize him, or would at least pretend that he did not. Having decided that there was nothing further to be done in the matter, he lay down on his extremely hard pallet, and went to sleep, as if he had not a care in the world. Next morning, after a long and wordy argument with the head jailer on the subject of masks, he was hailed in triumph to the house. As the little cavalcade was about to ascend the steps that led to the front door, my Lady O'Hara came gaily forth carrying a basket and a pair of scissors, and singing a snatch of song. At the sight of the highwayman the song broke off, and her red lips formed a long-drawn, Oh! She stood quite still on the top step, gazing down at my lord. The two jailers stood aside to allow her to come down, just as a greyhound darted up the steps and flung itself against her in an exuberance of joy. My lady, none too securely balanced, reeled, and the basket fell from her arm. Her foot missed the next step, and she tumbled headlong down. But in the flash of an eyelid Carstairs had sprung forward and received her in his arms. He lowered her gently to the ground. "'I trust you are not hurt, madam,' he asked, and retrieved her basket, handing it to her. Molly took it with a smile. "'I thank you, sir, not at all, though I fear I should have injured myself quite considerably had you not been so swift in catching me. "'Twas most kind of you, I am sure.' She extended her small hand, and her eyes devoured him. For a moment my lord hesitated, and then, sweeping off his hat, he bowed low over the hand. "'Twas less than nothing, madam,' he said in his own cultivated voice. "'I beg you will dismiss it from your mind.' He straightened himself as the jailers came forward, and put on his hat again. Lady O'Hara stepped aside and watched them disappear into the house. Her cheeks were rather flushed, and her eyes suspiciously bright. Suddenly she nodded her head decisively, and throwing away her luckless basket, hurried across the lawn and entered the house through a long window. My lord was conducted to the library, where O'Hara sat awaiting him, and slouched forward with his hands thrust deep in his pockets and his hat still on his head. The head jailer eyed him gloomily, and looked pained when Carstairs, with studied boorishness, leaned carelessly against a fine carved table. "'We have refrained from handcuffing the prisoner, sir, at your orders,' he said, in a tone that warned O'Hara, that should harm come of it, on his head be the blame. Miles nodded. "'Quite right,' he said pleasantly, and glanced at the cloaked and masked figure before him, with more suspicion than ever. "'But I regret to have reported very obstinate behaviour on part of the prisoner, sir,' added the jailer impressively. "'Indeed,' said Miles gravely. "'How so?' Jack controlled an insane desire to laugh, and listened to the jailer's complaint. "'You see the prisoner, sir, with that great mask on his face? Afore we set out to come here, I told him to take it off. And he refused, sir. Seeing as how you gave no orders, I did not force him to obey. "'Ah! Your name, please?' "'John Smith, sir,' answered Carstairs, promptly and hoarsely. O'Hara wrote it down with a sceptical smile on his lips that Jack did not quite like. "'Perhaps you will have the goodness to unmask?' There was a momentary silence. "'Why, sir, I thought you might allow me to keep it on.' "'Did you now? I will not be allowing any such thing. "'But, sir, tis impossible. Off with it. Sir, if you don't take it off, I shall ask these men to assist you,' warned Miles. "'May I not speak with you alone, sir?' pleaded Jack. 
By now O'Hara was greatly intrigued. "'Ye may not! Unmask!' He was leaning half across the table, his eyes fixed on Jack's face. With a quaint little laugh that made O'Hara's brows contract swiftly, my lord shrugged his shoulders, French fashion, and obeyed. The mask and hat were tossed lightly on the table, and Miles found himself gazing into a pair of blue eyes that met his half defiantly, half imploringly. He drew in his breath sharply, and the thin ivory rule he held snapped suddenly between his fingers. And at that crucial moment a door behind him that had stood ajar was pushed open, and my Lady O'Hara came tripping into the room. The two jailers and her husband turned at once to see who it was, while Jack, who had recognized her, but had not the least idea who she was, fell to dusting his boots with his handkerchief. O'Hara rose, and for once looked severe. "'What?' he began, and stopped, for without so much as a glance at him, my lady ran towards the prisoner, crying, "'Harry! Oh, Harry!' Jack gathered that he was the person addressed, and instantly made her an elaborate leg. The next moment she was tugging at the lapels of his coat, with her face upturned to his. "'Harry, you wicked boy!' she cried, and added beneath her breath, "'My name is Molly.' A laugh sprang to my lord's eyes, and his beautiful smile reappeared. In a stupefied fashion, O'Hara watched him steal an arm about her waist, and placed a hand beneath her chin. The next instant a kiss was planted full on the little lady's lips, and he heard Jack Carstairs's voice exclaim, "'Fie on you, Molly, for a spoil-sport! Here I had fooled Miles to the top of my bent, and pawn rep, he scarcely knows me yet!' My lady disengaged himself, blushing. "'Oh, Miles, you do know Harry, my cousin Harry?' O'Hara collected his scattered wits and rose nobly to the occasion. "'Of course I do, my dear, though at first it gave me such a shock I was near dumbfounded. You are a mad, scatterbrained fellow to play such a trick upon us, devil take you!' He laid his hands on Jack's shoulders. "'Pray, what did you do it for, boy?' Jack's brain worked swiftly. "'Why, Miles, never tell me you forgot our wager. Did I not swear I'd have you at a disadvantage, to be even with you for that night at Jasper's?' But what must do you but see my pistol was unloaded, and make me lose my wager? Still, t'was worth that night and a night in jail to see your face when I unmasked. O'Hara shook him slightly, laughing, and turned to the two amazed jailers. The senior jailer met his humorous glance with a cold and indignant stare, and gave a prodigious sniff. "'My good fellows,' drawled Miles, "'I'm mighty sorry to see you've been worried over me young cousin here. He's fooled us all, it appears.' but now there's naught to be done in the matter, though I've a mind to send him to await the next sessions. He slipped a guinea into each curiously ready palm, and replied to the head-jailer's haughty bow with a pleasant nod. In silence he watched them leave the room, shaking their heads over the incomprehensible ways of the gentry. Then he turned and looked across at Carstairs. End of chapter 9, part 2